Hello, and welcome to Moving Markets by Julius Baer. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast. Good morning, everybody. Our regular Moving Markets podcast will be back in its usual format on Monday, the 9th of January. But for today, we'd like to highlight a recent conversation that my colleagues John Franklin and Grace Treston had with our head of macro and next generation research, Norbert Rooker, on Julius Baer's Wealth Insights podcast. They talked about various aspects of the energy transition and the remaining obstacles to the global adoption of clean energy. Norbert, we hear a lot about the energy transition. Could you just tell us exactly what that really means and what's being done to achieve this? Yeah, the energy transition basically is how the way we produce and consume energy structurally changes because of new technology, because of regulation, because of the awareness of something like climate change and the consensus that we need to lower greenhouse gas emissions. And if you look more closely, the energy transition happens on on different dimensions. The main one, the obvious one is something like clean energy. So where basically the way we produce electricity, we shift from fossil fuels, coal, natural gas towards renewables, mainly towards solar and wind. The energy transition is also about mobility where we basically shift from a car that operates on, a, on oil with an internal combustion engine to an electric car, an electric truck. And there's also a third element of the energy transition, which so far is very nascent. It's, it's, it's very much in the beginning. It's how we can make sure that some of the fossil fuels we need in chemical processes, we replace them with something that's clean, that's renewable, that's maybe synthetic. And do you think the the current energy crisis is actually speeding up uh, this energy transition? Yes, definitely. Any kind of crisis usually tends to accelerate existing structural trends. We've seen it two years ago with the pandemic. We definitely also see it now with the European energy crisis. And it's quite simple because if you look at clean energy, it's simply the most cost competitive source of producing electricity these days. It, It already has been for some years. So I think the pivotal point was back in 2015, 2016, where thanks to continuous cost digression, um, offshore wind, um, wind, onshore wind, apologies, um, solar power plants started to become competitive with, with something like natural gas or coal. And it's definitely the case now um, for the simple reason that these kind of technologies have seen much less in terms of cost inflation. And it's the cheapest and has been also the most reliable source of, of electricity. So that's why one of the consequences for us most likely will be that the investments are being ramped up, something that we already start to see happening now. And we can look at this uh, in more detail later on. But broadly speaking, what is the biggest obstacle to the global adoption of clean energy? There are very few left. In the main one seems to be permitting, which might sound a bit odd, but it's really the element um, that in the end governments could solve, but something they struggle to solve. The investments into wind into Europe could be higher. There could be more wind power plants installed per year, if not the permitting would take simply too long. And it also adds on the costs. Things or challenges that has been solved is really the costs. It's a technology, it's proven, it's mature, it's commercial available. 
There, of course, are challenges as you move into the system that arise in the future. Something like, how do you make sure you have reliable uh, power supply, even if it's not windy or not sunny? But the thing is, how to tackle these challenges, which are kind of engineering challenges, technology challenge. We have the solutions already today. And we more or less have an understanding how we need to design a market that it's possible, feasible, that the majority of energy comes from renewables. And we used to hear a lot about, you know, consumer hesitancy with electric cars or, you know, communities being opposed to, to wind turbines. But are you saying that it's not really the consumer sentiment um, that, that's blocking the way? It's, it's more about the regulatory bodies and the government? I'm not so sure if the consumers, if you look at, as you mentioned, electric cars, is really something that is slowing down the transition in terms of shifting from fossil fueled oil-based oil-driven cars to electric cars. If you look at the automakers today, uh, they have very long lead times in terms of when you order a car and when you actually get it delivered. So the demand is definitely there. So at least there, it's really not fast. It's not the consumers that is hindering it. It's simply the challenge that come with it. You can't simply shift from selling 5% electric cars the next year to selling 100% electric cars. It's not feasible. The supply chain, the ramp of the supply chain simply needs time. And the same applies to clean energy. You cannot move from 10%, 5% solar generation in a country in a power mix over five years to 80%. It's completely unfeasible. You need some time. There's a certain speed that transition can take. And we think on lots of these dimensions, we are very close to the maximum speed any economy can absorb transition speed. And thinking about that time scale, it's obviously a key factor here. Um, some people might be worried about energy security, you know, having the power to heat the house, to use for domestic electricity, industrial electricity. How do the renewables compare? with uh, the cost-effective fossil fuels that we currently have despite their environmental impacts? Well, ultimately, it's a question about what will be the final mix look like um, in 30, 40 years' time. What will be the share of renewables of clean energy in a mix, providing the electricity, but also, to some extent, the heat? And to be honest, it depends very much on where you are. For most of the United States, this kind of target picture, let's call it target picture, most likely somewhat different than to Europe. But in Europe, this target picture somewhere in the north of Germany, again, looks very different to the one somewhere in Italy and Spain. And uh, if you take, for example, the United States, there, most of the energy need is during summer for cooling, air conditioning. It's a very good fit with solar power generation. So suddenly this kind of energy system looks much more feasible to have a very high share of solar generation without needing to have some certain resilience, let's say, backup. Whereas in uh, Northern Europe, you have also a high power demand, basically, and especially a high heat demand, not in summer, but in winter. It roughly fits with wind generation. The thing is, it's not always windy. So suddenly, you're most likely looking at a target picture of a mix where you have some certain degree of renewables, a higher share of wind, but you need some sort of backup. But the backup doesn't mean that it's a natural gas power plant that stands there. The backup can mean that's maybe a heating rate for some. 
very suddenly you have a fossil, or let's say not a fossil, but some uh, other fuel that comes in. Might it be synthetic natural gas? Might it be um, biomass? Whatever. Uh, it might also be that, and we are convinced of that batteries will take a certain play in it because batteries can actually smooth volatility that happens not only over over hours but already over a couple of days. They can smooth this out. So we are seeing the solutions for this. We have a rough understanding how the target picture of the mix might look like. And we're very confident we get there. So that's all for today then. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. To listen to this conversation in full, please search for How is the Energy Crisis Impacting the Clean Transition on the Wealth Insights channel. The usual Moving Markets show returns on Monday the 9th of January, but do tune in again next week when we'll be sharing more interesting insights from our recent podcast. Bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Für unsere deutschsprachigen Zuhörer. We would also like to make you aware of Marktanalysen und Gespräche, a monthly podcast in German, where Julius Baer experts discuss some of the latest market developments. We share our key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape in German. Search for Marktanalysen und Gespräche on your favorite podcast player.